It's a new way to lead off your Sunday with conversation, unique perspectives, and your thoughts and questions on the Hometown Nine. It's Twins Today. And a swing and a miss and a changeup. That was masterful pitching from Jose Barrios. I know they know I got a great curveball, so they're looking for That's when I was the that breaking board. Twins Today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. It's hard to believe that was 15 years ago. Right? Time flies, but uh, you know what? I'm in a new role, and I'm enjoying it. Thanks, Derek. Which thought am I? Did I make the top five? Now, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Hello, good morning. Good to be with you, Twins fans. You're listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. I am your host, Derek Wetmore. I am at Target Field, where it is sunny and looking beautiful, like a great day for a ball game. Twins and Astros set to do battle in the finale here a little later. Uh, But first, we've got a great show. We've got a lot of uh, fun guests to get to and... This program will take you at 10 all the way up to noon, and then you got Inside Twins with Wes Johnson and Corey Provis, followed by the Adana Realty pregame lineup card and first pitch Twins and Astros coming up after that. On today's show, Twins Today, we are going to hear from some legends in the game. My guests today combined for 10 batting titles, 25 All-Star appearances, and a World Series ring. We'll be hearing later on from the great Rod Carew, Close the show listening uh, listening in on a conversation with Joe Maurer, Twins legend. Tim Laudner joins us a little bit later on, coming up around 10.30 if you want to stay tuned for that. And Dan Hayes, who covers the Minnesota Twins, he covers it all for The Athletic, and he was over in St. Paul this week covering a bunch of interesting short-term Saints players, shall we say. We'll get the updates from Dan Hayes on what's the latest with Byron Buxton, Luis Arise. Kenta Maeda, and plenty more from Dan. We're going to start today's show with Five Thoughts. Five Thoughts, the newsletter I write every week. Uh, you can find that. Go to my Facebook page, Derek Wetmore MLB, or you can follow me on Twitter at Derek Wetmore. Thought number one, which is kind of a, just a pointing out a difference that I remember from 2019 and this 2021 Twins team. Number one. We're up, then we go down, then we're back tied. Every time that happens, it affects the guys that we use and how we use them. So effectively, sometimes you do run short on pitching in a given game because of that. We probably had, if we went to Hansel uh, in that um, inning in the ninth, we probably had about 10 innings of coverage in the game. And we can't put ourselves in a spot uh, where we look up in the 11th inning and we go, you know, hey, you know, we're not really sure who we're going to pitch. We can never allow that to happen. Uh, it's one of those games that feels uncomfortable because, you know, you constantly have to shift your mindset uh, as you go from up to, you know, down a run to tide. And as things change, sometimes you end up burning pitchers. It's, it's natural. It, it happens because uh, not many games actually play out in that in that manner and in a tight ball game like that. Yeah, that's the voice of Rocco Baldelli talking about a loss earlier this week. Just kind of unfortunate circumstances, honestly. Uh, Billy Ober put in a good start, and Matt Shoemaker had been scheduled to make that start. He was moved to the bullpen, partly to, to cover some innings, but also partly because he's just been struggling in the starting rotation. Uh, the Twins go to him later in the game. He pitches a scoreless eighth inning, but then, as Rocco alluded to there, they're just so short on coverage that they decided to ask for another inning 
out of Shoemaker. He gives up a couple runs. Twins lose the game. It's it's a circular problem, of course. When you get short starts from your starting pitchers, your bullpen naturally has to cover more innings. Just think about this week. Barrios went seven yesterday, which was a great gift for the Twins. Before that, Bailey Ober, five innings. Jay Happ, five innings. Randy Dobnik, four and two-thirds. He had kind of the fingernail issue. Mike Pineda, four and a third. That's all coming off an off day against the Yankees and Astros, two good offensive clubs. And when you're asking your bullpen to go four and two-thirds, four and a third, cover four innings, night after night after night, you understand why they why they use up a bunch of arms. I'm not sure I – I mean, I understand Rocco's reasoning there. I'm not sure I fully agree with it that you can't uh, empty the – bullpen so to speak in an attempt to try to win a game that's very close and late but it is worth pointing out that when they just had a bunch of great relievers in 2019 they got the job done no matter what and you know won all those games uh, that magical twins season uh, we weren't really talking about coverage issues so that's been an issue with the twins going forward and getting Kenta Maeda back which we'll talk about a little later on the show should help that a good deal I also want to talk about uh, a big star from the week. Josh Donaldson had his sort of signature Twins moment. We've been waiting for it, and he talked certainly a lot going into that Yankee series, but he definitely delivered in the final game. Number two. And the 1-0 pitch, a swing and a fly ball. Left center field and deep. Back it goes. Deep it goes. Tie game! It took over 60 games, but Donaldson has his big Twins moment. A game-tying two-run blast of the second deck and left off Chapman. 5-5 at target field. What a blast. What a moment. Josh Donaldson came into the series talking about Garrett Cole and spin rate and sticky substances, and he was sort of putting himself at center stage of baseball's biggest storyline, controversy. I don't even know what the proper term would be, but Donaldson, one of the few established Major leaguers willing to talk about it and uh, throw some names on it. Um, didn't go so well for him at the plate leading up to that moment. He played pretty well in the field that series. You have to give him that. Uh, into his mid-30s, Donaldson still has the plus defensive skills, and he comes up with a huge home run against Araldis Chapman to tie the game in the ninth inning, thereby proving the Yankees' closer is, in fact, human. Another base hit and a Nelson Cruz home run later, and the Twins were dancing at Target Field. So fun to add a, a, a fun moment to the ledger for Josh Donaldson in his Twins career. Before that, I think you'd say his signature moment was when he got ejected from the game for showing up the umpire last last September when he kicked dirt all over the plate after uh, he, didn't like a, he didn't like a called pit strike, so he went and hit a home run on the next pitch, and then he had to, some words to say for home plate uh, umpire Dan Bellino. But this one, a much more fond memory to look back on uh, Fondly looking ahead to when some Twins players are going to rejoin the fold here. Let's get a quick Saints update. Number three. My guess is this is Maeda's last batter. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. Strike three. And if it is, he's going to end it on a big time K. Kenta Maeda. And he smokes one. Left center field towards the deepest part of the ballpark. This one's going to be... Gone! A two-run home run for Byron Buxton. His second of the game. Our friends Sean Aronson and Andy Helwig on the call there with the St. Paul Saints. Yes, those are St. Paul Saints players this week. Byron Buxton, Kenta Maeda. There's uh, good encouraging signs 
pointing towards, uh, well, not Target Field, pointing towards the West Coast, actually, where the Twins are headed to play the Seattle Mariners. Uh, the latest as of this morning, what we know to start the show on uh, Twins Today here is Kenta Maeda is scheduled to start Monday in Seattle for the Twins. So you can expect him to be activated before tomorrow's game. Luisa Rice spoke with the media yesterday and uh, heard him say that he'll be back very soon. He's very close. He said he's rehabbing that shoulder. He's playing for St. Paul. Um, so expect him to be right around the corner, too. That's his own uh, sort of prognosis. <laughs> Take that for what it's worth. Byron Buxton uh, expected to play and then be evaluated. I wouldn't be shocked if the Twins are looking for an opportunity to activate Byron Buxton as well. In fact, GM Dan Gladden, if you heard yesterday's radio broadcast of the game, uh, he's already activated all three of them. He's uh, He's got them all three on the flight, headed west out to Seattle for the Twins Mariners series, so we'll see how that all plays out. Jorge Blanco had a great game yesterday. I want to talk about him for a second. Number four. Swung on, hit high in the air, right center field. McCormick back again. He'll play this one off the ribbon board for a two-run homer. And the Twins now lead four to nothing. Yep, is a Jorge Polanco show yesterday. You can't play it off the ribbon board. Uh, ballpark ground rules uh, established that as a home run. So Polo hitting a big one yesterday, three for four, big night for him. And I wanted to point out that it's been a disappointing season for the Twins. You, listener, won't be surprised to hear that given the expectations and how it's gone for them so far. But did you know they're the first in home runs? The Twins have more home runs than any major league club with 93. Oddly, they're 11th in runs scored, 296 runs scored. Again, 93 home runs leads the majors. Houston, their opponent today for the rubber match of the series, leads the world in runs at 344. Go figure. Been some shuffling in the starting rotation. Let's talk about that before we get out of five thoughts. Number five. And the pitch is swinging a blast into left field in deep trouble. Larnick at the wall. He will look, and that's a three-run homer. And the Royals lead 9 to nothing. Well, I mentioned Matt Shoemaker. That was his uh, the forgettable nine-run inning against the Royals. It's been a forgettable year for him so far, certainly not to expectations for himself and uh, definitely not the expectation the Twins had coming into the year either. If you missed the news this week, Shoemaker was moved to the bullpen, and there was this weird scenario, which I touched on earlier, that he still ends up pitching two innings in a game, one of them good, one of them not so good. The Twins lose that ball game, and that's that's the state of the rotation right now. Bailey Ober took over, and he remains in the Twins rotation, according to Rocco Baldelli. So Shoemaker out. Ober in. Randy Dobnek was available in the bullpen yesterday because they just just were going to need some coverage. Imagine if Jose Barrios had had a short start. The Twins weren't uh, necessarily covered with uh, 10 innings or anything like that out of their bullpen, so they were hoping that Barrios went deep. He took the challenge and did, but Dobnek was available out of the bullpen, and Kenta Maeda set to return Monday. So there are some shifting spots in the Twins rotation, and I've said it before on the show, and I'll continue to say it, the Twins are going to go on a run. They really need a good run of starting pitching. The strong outings back-to-back-to-back-to-back would just be uh, everything that the Twins could ask for right now. Certainly, they'll need every bit of it to climb out of the hole that they've dug for themselves. That'll do it for five thoughts. That is the leadoff to this 
leadoff show. This is Twins Today. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. Don't forget, coming up at noon, we've got Inside Twins, then the Adina Realty pregame lineup card. It's all ahead of Twins and Astros. Uh, Rod Carew joins the show later, Tim Laudner. Joe Maurer is our anchor leg. So tons of fun stuff coming up here on Twins Today. When we come back, we're going to hear a little radio revisit, a conversation with Taylor Rogers taped earlier this week that you're not going to want to miss and some great guests coming up this morning on Twins Today. Like I said, I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. We'll have more baseball coming up after this on News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back. Twins Today is the program. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, sitting here at Sunny Target Field as they uh, begin the prep work to get that field ready for Twins and Astros, the final game of a three-game set later today. On today's show, we've got a ton of fun guests. We're going to hear from Rod Carew, Joe Maurer, Dan Hayes, who covers the Twins for The Athletic, joins us a little later. And just uh, just a really fun show. Just makes me smile thinking about the next couple of hours here. And then, as I mentioned, we are going right into Inside Twins at noon. Then the Adana Realty pregame lineup card all coming up before first pitch of the Twins and Astros. So you got your morning planned. Right now, we've got the radio revisit portion of the show. The one we wanted to pull from the archives this week was a recent conversation with Taylor Rogers. It's a mound visit that comes on the heels of a pretty fun night, Taylor. Uh, you had the view of it from the bullpen. It happened so fast. Three pitches from Araldis Chapman that never reached the catcher's glove just doesn't happen very often at all. Walk us through what was going on in the bullpen while that inning was unspooling. Man. Tell you what, you know, it's one of those things when you see Chapman warming up, you're like, man, this is going to be a tough one for us. You know, trying to score two, maybe three doesn't happen too often off him. And he's obviously a big presence down there. So we knew it was going to be difficult. And then all of a sudden, Polanco base hit. Donaldson hits one over our heads. We're like, man, we got a, really got a shot here. And then, um, of course, Ossadio's in the middle of it. Uh, he really works the count, but he ended up swinging first pitch there. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, Nelly's ball, great view uh, for that, too. Awesome to be out there for that. And like Griffin Jack said, it's one of the coolest baseball moments he'd seen, and, and I would agree. Let's talk about Griffin Jacks. He was asked to do something the other day that he'd never been asked to do. Um, he had only relieved, I want to say, four times ever, and most of that was in rookie ball in the GCL where everybody's kind of a reliever for a while. And he gets asked to go back-to-back his first two major league outings when the team really needs him, and then he sucks up three and a third innings. Did you guys have any advice for him out there? How did that unfold? Because that's a hard thing for anybody to do, much less a guy who just showed up in the big leagues. Right. You know, he he had asked me about the bullpen, um, go, being a starter and going to the bullpen, um, you know, since that's something that I did in the major leagues. And um, we all I told him was, I said, you, you're more prepared than you think you are. You're only nervous about the unknown right now. So once you get out there, you know, you'll just kick right into what you do and what you know best, and it's going to be no problem. And he showed that. And um He's a, uh, he's a grinder, he's a team guy, and, and with what he did on that second day, that proves that. Yeah, he's part of this little Colorado pool that you guys have now between Griffin and yourself, uh, Bailey Ober now, who will start tonight. Uh, Mitch Garver liked it so much, he's moved to Denver uh, to be a part of the fun. How did you get hooked up with Ober and with Jackson in the offseason? Yeah, so um place that I uh, seeked out through um, our strength coach, Ian, um, in Colorado, I was looking for a place to work out at, and uh, he directed me to this place. I went to this place and there's these two guys there and they're like, Hey, uh, you know, we're, we're with the twins, uh, you know, organization. I was like, what? 
Um, but yeah, ended up being Griffin Jackson uh, and Bailey Ober. Um, great guys, extremely hard workers, Chris. I know that's cliche to say, but these guys make me feel bad uh, when I'm in there every day because I don't feel like I'm not doing enough compared to these two. Um, well, but it's Bailey's, awesome. And Bailey's a sequoia. He's giant. Uh, so obviously he gives you a little different look on the mound. You and I were talking about an upcoming event here at Target Field as well. Joe Mauer's having his home run derby. A lot of the old guys are coming back. And we were joking about uh, the, the, the Great Duck Vodka Joe Mauer charitable thing where the, the money goes to Gillette. And you told me you wouldn't be surprised if Joe was All-American in Duck Duck Gray Duck as well. Everyone's got their Joe Mauer stories about how he happens to be amazing at juggling beer bottles or chainsaws or playing cribbage or any other activity. Do you have one you can share? Ooh, man, there's, I got a couple golf ones that are easy. Um, his albatross in, in spring training. You know, one of the things that I like to do was, was pick over to first base. Like even if nobody there is running, like Victor Martinez is on first base. <laughs> I would just pick over because Joe, would throw you a perfectly spun four seam at your chest every time. And he just give you a little giggle because it's like, man, that's so cool. He's perfect. So you would pick over just so you could play catch with Joe Mauer during a game? Absolutely. Just so I could see it. Like he's going to hit me in the chest with a four seamer and he did it every time. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, this week in Williams Ostadio. Obviously he was a big part of yesterday's rally. Uh, he, he, he hasn't been on the field as much. Does that mean it's been quieter in the clubhouse? No, it's more loud in the clubhouse. We need to get him on the field. Um, so he's, he's um, you know, talking crap to everybody uh, in the clubhouse when, he's, when he has nothing to do. You know what? Sneaky good clubhouse guy, supporter of the club when he's not playing. And as you can tell, he's always ready to come in uh, just like he was last night. Yeah, awesome pinch hit situation there from, from Ostadio. Let's do a, a special Colorado-themed power rankings this week because we talked about Jack's. You talked about Ober, uh, yourself, obviously, from your home state and very proud of it. You shocked me when you told me there are currently 11 big leaguers from Colorado, which is an astounding number, uh, and only two of them are from your family. But what about the all-time uh, baseball heroes from Colorado? Like, who are the legends, the top power-ranking legends of Colorado baseball uh, that you grow up idolizing? Yeah, you know, Colorado baseball doesn't have a whole lot going for it. So we don't have any Joe Mowers. But uh, we got a couple, uh, you know, Goose Gossage uh, is kind of probably the oldest and first one that, that you know about. Uh, obviously, um, Roy Halladay, like I always liked watching him. He's from more closer to my area, too. So that was kind of a cool connection to have. And then probably third on the list, the sneaky one is Brad Lidge. Um, and then he actually went to the same high school as Griffin Jacks did. Uh, nice little baseball program there. Nice little program indeed. That was the voice of Taylor Rogers with Chris Atterbury on this week's mound visit. And I got a chuckle out of hearing that he used to throw over to first base when Maurer was playing there just so he could get that perfect strike four-seamer back. Even uh, big leaguer, sometimes am amazed by the by the talent there. Uh, I'm amazed by the talent on this show today. We are going to hear from Joe Maurer to talk about the uh, home run competition that's coming up this week at Target Field. Very excited for that and also very excited to be joined by my next guest. He is a current Valley Sports North analyst, World Series winner, Tim Laudner joins me after this. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Twins Today on News Talk 830 WCCO. There's the set and wins pitch. Swing high fly ball. There it goes. Way back to left field. A home run for Tim Lautner. Number 16. And the Twins win it 2-1. Well, that's pretty good. That's uh, 
famous home run call of my next guest. Uh, he is none other than the Pride of Park Center, Tim Laudner. Tim, thanks for making some time for Twins today. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, you guys dug really, really deep for that tape. I, I don't know about that. that. I heard Holy. there were a couple of them. They were just trying Holy. to choose. Holy moly. Yeah, maybe <laughs> no more no more than two, I don't think. <laughs> well, Tim Laudner's our guest, kind <laughs> enough to join us, current Bally Sports North analyst, of course, MLB All-Star, former twin and World Series winner. Um, I understand that team, Tim, has the most walk-off wins in baseball history, and you were responsible for a couple of them. Is that right? I, that's a stat that I didn't know. I, you know, I, I'm i not a, a huge stat guy. The only stats that matter to some of us, especially those of us that uh, got to participate back in the day, and I, you know, I even hate to refer to back in the day because I just don't think our current audiences, you know, really care about back in the day, but th that's just my opinion. Um, you know, I'd rather talk about these guys on the field right now, but that's an interesting stat and one that obviously I didn't know about. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I feel like guys kind of know their own. They carry with them. Uh, you know, you remember that, that you have to have a, a hearing that call that takes you back kind of to that. Right? Does that still happen even 2021? Well, I do we remember that. And, uh, uh, you know, I know that my, uh, my partner, my host, uh, Annie Sabo had asked me one time on the show when we had witnessed Trevor Larnick's first home run, out, I think it was out in Anaheim. And sure. She said, that, you know, that's obviously going to be a, a memory that he's going to have for a long, long time. And she says, do you remember your first home run? I said, well, yeah, but not without hip, uh, hypnosis. And so, um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember some of that. I, I have sure. a good memory. I remember some of that, that stuff, and that's a good thing. But, uh, you know, like I said, we try to focus on, on these guys right here because they're the – they're the here and they're the now and they're the ones that are the caretakers of our sport. So uh, we'll focus on these guys. Absolutely. And I mean, a lot of fun things to talk about. Uh, we, we could go back and forth uh, all the time. Yeah, All-star game, stuff like that. Sure. Uh, in Absolutely. fact, I'm, I'm going to ask you one more before we, we come into present day, Tim. The, uh -huh. the, I, I boasted uh, earlier, I boasted before the show that my guests today – Later in the show, we're talking with uh, Rodney Carew and Joe Maurer for, sure. for his home run hitting contest coming up. And so I boasted. a couple of good left-handers. You know, I said 25 all-star appearances between all my guests and 10 batting titles. Exactly. So, so thank you for contributing to that. <laughs> <laughs> really, that that all-star game that you went to, was there a moment that you looked around and said, uh, wow, you know, do, do you have a story that you can share with us that you really felt like, wow, yeah. I made it, and I'm here in the big league all-star game. You know, I was very, very fortunate to be selected by my, my manager, Tom Kelly, to participate um, in that all-star game. Um, I got to share, um, or I lockered right next to uh, New Orleans' Terry Steinbach, who is uh, obviously a good friend. Uh, I see him uh, more. You know, I'd like to see him more, more than occasionally. My schedule doesn't allow me. Mm. I know he's probably out at his cabin and relaxing, but uh, – um, we do a, the snowmobile ride for ALS in the wintertime, and I always get to see Terry, and we always get to have uh, some laughs and talking about the stories here and there and whatnot. But, uh, you know, having a, a – well, yeah, I do remember. Um, they, brought, uh, they brought dogs in. They swept the uh, <laughs> home clubhouse. Sure. Oh, yeah. Because uh, they were going to bring in the vice president at the time, who was uh, 41. George Bush. And so after infield, I knew I wasn't going to play, so I had stripped down and got all my wet clothes off. It was a really, really hot day in Cincinnati. And by the time I got stripped down to my skivvies, uh, Dr. Bobby Brown, the president of the American League, was standing right in front of me with 
41, the Vice President of the United States. And Dr. Bobby Brown says, uh, Mr. Vice President, this is Tim Laudner. He's our representative from the Minnesota Twins. He's a catcher. And I had a towel stuck in my right armpit, but I stuck my right arm out and shook his hand and said, pleased to meet you, Mr. Vice President. And he looked at me. He looked me right in the eye, by sure, the way. He's a tall man. And he says, I caught you toweling off your pits, didn't I? And I said, yes, sir, you sure did. <laughs> and I have a picture of that. I swear to God, I have a picture of it. And uh, what a memory, huh, to be able to meet the, the future president of the United States, uh, the vice president at the time. I mean. And to I, have him say, I caught you toweling off your pits. I said, well, yeah, you did. I mean, uh, I'm in stitches here. It's, it sounds I mean, like a story you made up. I did not make that real. up. That's as true as true can be. I, you know, you can't make up something like uh, that. I'm not that creative. Yeah. However, um, I remember being in infield practice and Dave Winfield was playing right field. And that's back when we took infield as well. And I think Georgie Brett was at first base during infield practice. And uh, Dave Winfield was throwing strikes from right field to home plate. Sure he was. And I didn't say cut it off. I just said slow it down a little bit. Because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to break a thumb. He had a good arm. Right David had a good arm. Oh, so. man. That is really a fascinating story. Thank you for sharing it with our <laughs> listeners. I got a pile of them. So. <laughs> for Twins fans. Um, so, okay, our guest is Tim Laudner, uh, World Series winner, obviously uh, uh, MLB All-Star and current Valley Sports North analyst. You can catch him pre-post there on the TV side of things. And, uh, Tim, you talked about wanting to talk about the here and now, the, the, the players today. Yep. And I got to say, I thought about you this week. I don't think about you every week, but I thought about you this okay. week. Okay. So, they got Ben Rortvet and Ryan Jeffers doing the bulk of the catching here for the Twins right now while Mitch Garver's down. Williams Estadio kind of plays around, but he can catch a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see these guys get into this low stance now. Oh, boy. Where they really they try to go get that low strike. You maybe see where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're sitting there with their, their big catcher's mitt below the strike zone, and, I mean, their whole body is hunched over, Tim. I mean, the flexibility of some of these guys is, is astounding to me. Um what do you think when you see that sort of presentation style from a big league catcher trying to get those strikes at the borderline? Boy, Derek, how do I dance around this? <laughs> well, let me just say, okay. let me just start off by saying I don't like it, and you know, I don't like it at all. Okay. Now, let you know, let me explain. Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't mind God, I don't mind catchers being down on one knee and presenting a, a lower target for their pitcher. Um, what I do mind is when you have runners on base and you're in that position because what it does is that it restricts you from moving laterally. And, and baseball is played laterally. And if you're on one leg, you can't move laterally. You can't move side to side. Now, as a catcher, I, I, would, I teach and I expect my catchers to do a couple of things. First and foremost, square yourself up to the pitcher. Be square to the pitcher. Give your pitcher... A good target because, you know, you can talk to 100 pitchers and 100 of them will say, I want to see the glove. Well, they're not looking at the glove. I can tell you right now, pitchers don't look at the glove. Okay. They'll pick other spots. Some of them pitch off the hitter. Some of them pitch off the shoulder. Some of them pitch off of a catcher's uh, knee on his shin guard. Okay. Um, but very few of them look at the glove. Sure. And then the first move they make when they start in their windup, is they take their eyes off of their whatever their target is. Um, you could start doing flashcards there, and they'd never <laughs> notice it because they're looking down. Never going to learn. And their you can watch them on tables. a regular basis. And so, being yeah. square to your pitcher is first and foremost. And yet, when you see guys get on base, 
there are catchers that will turn and catch the second baseman. Well, he's not pitching. Sure, sure. So stay square to your pitcher and understand that that pitcher is the most important guy on the field. And you have to treat him as the most important guy on the field. Now, with regards to being on one knee for the entire of the game, I don't, I don't buy it. Um, I don't like it. Again, we talk about the fact that you can't move laterally. And there are too many balls that are getting by catchers in crucial, crucial situations. Yeah. And earlier yeah, in we've the, seen it this week. Earlier in the year, we mm-hmm. saw yep. uh, it was not just the Twins. It was a game with the Chicago White Sox and, Can- and Kansas City Royals in the south side of Chicago and a ball. In the ninth inning, got past Cam Gallagher, who mm-hmm. was catching on Sunday, not Salvador Perez, got by him. Jose Abreu scored the winning run. Yep. Well, that that's a, that's a situation that just can't happen. Right. And in the very same day, uh, Mitch Garver had a ball go underneath him when your previous guest Taylor Rogers was on the mound. Yeah. And uh, Ramon Laureano scored for the Oakland A's, and the Twins lost the game by one. Those that. are situations that can't happen i can't tell you how many times i was behind the plate with a guy on third base and i'd look over and tk would be hey block the ball block the ball i'm like i know i know (laughs) i know that's my job and you got to sell out you got to do whatever you can to keep that ball in front of you and if you can't do it with just one foot on the ground because you cannot move laterally and i even said on the air after that on our pregame show you know if it was such a great idea to play on one leg why don't the other eight guys do it and when I teach <laughs> when I teach catching, I teach my catchers that if you can play shortstop and move your feet properly and throw the ball properly, you can catch. Good foundation. If you can play outfield, you yeah. can catch. And if you can catch, you can play all the other positions as well because the, the throwing and the and the foot movement are relatively the same throughout the entire field of play. And so and Joe Maurer's a great, great example of that. Yeah. Joe Maurer can play any position. Joe Maurer's athletic. Joe Maurer sat square to this pitcher. Joe Maurer very rarely, never caught on one leg with guys on 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 base. You hardly so saw it at all. If it was the right thing to do, mm-hmm. Joe Maurer would have been doing it. It's not the right thing to do, and it's going to cost you a game. And that real estate between first and second, and second and third, and third and home, is unbelievably valuable real estate. And I'll go so far as to say if you block one ball during the course of a 162-game season and keep one runner from moving from one base to the next, you might find yourself in a game 163 in which the Twins were part of, I think, within two years in a row. Back-to-back. Right? Wow. I mean – Okay, it's now i got to take my angina pills, Derek, because now I'm all fired up and my hot. blood's pumping. I got you hot. I, you did a great <laughs> job of dancing around it, Tim. I, I don't think you're going to get in trouble for that one. Well, I, that's just my opinion. And, and if I was to teach um, a high school kid, a college kid, right now, I would try to teach him the proper way to do that. And you go all the way back. I remember sitting in a restaurant one day, and I looked up onto the monitor, and there was a, a, a video of the 1969, well, 1969 World Series game between the Mets and the Orioles. And Jerry Grody was the catcher for the uh, New York Mets. And Elrod Hendricks, a guy that I got to know really well during my career, uh, was catching for the Baltimore Orioles. Mm-hmm. Andy Etchebarren also caught for the Baltimore Orioles. Both of them had the old round glove. Sure. And I was mesmerized, unbelievably mesmerized. Now, Elrod Hendricks would catch on one leg. This is back in 1969. Yeah, okay. He would catch on one leg, but he wouldn't do it with guys on base. 
and you can go back and take a look at the video hmm. too. Wow. And uh, so there, there are, there are parts of it that maybe. Now, as far as you know, what has been explained to me is that you steal seven strikes a game by sitting down there. I don't buy that for a minute because, you know, I'm not of the opinion that the umpires are that good. It, de- it depends. On I who's like them. Don't, don't misunderstand me, yeah, but you, you know what? You watch the box and you think, "Oh boy, yeah. oh boy." Yeah, depends on the night, but there yeah. could be more oh boys some nights than others. Exactly. Too. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Tim, this has been a ton of fun for me. I sure appreciate you uh, taking the time to share some stories and share your wisdom. That's it. We're coming up on a break here. we got to get to some uh, first-round draft pick updates. i got more stories. I just stick around for the break. I'd like to hear them. <laughs> Can I come back next week? Please. Yeah, we'd like <laughs> open invitation. We'd Thank love to you. have you. Hey, it's a, you know what? I'll do whatever you need. I'm happy to be with you. That's the voice of Tim Laudner, a friend of the show, Tim Laudner, World Series winner and MLB All-Star. Catch him on the Bally Sports North broadcast pre and post on the TV side. Uh, we got to get to a break. This is Twins Today. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. Coming up, we're going to hear an update on the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles couple of first-round draft choices playing down there. We're going to hear about it all. Rod Carew and Joe Maurer coming up in the next hour of the show. Don't go anywhere. This is Twins Today on News Talk 830 WCCO. All right, welcome back to Twins Today. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, at uh, Sunny Target Field in downtown Minneapolis. Uh, Fun, fun chatting with uh, Tim Laudner. True to his word, by the way, he did stick around for the break and uh, tell another story, so we'll have to have him back on Twins today before too much longer. Coming up in hour two of the show, Rod Carew, Joe Maurer, Dan Hayes of The Athletic, just a uh, jam-packed show today. And uh, my next guest I've been looking forward to talking to about some Twins draft picks and uh, future Twins, really, as I like to think of them. He is play-by-play broadcaster for the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles, he is John Vittis. Thank you for taking the time, John, to join Twins today. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate you guys having me. Oh, the pleasure is all ours, and uh, you are the uh, scout in person. You are the one uh, taking in some of these future Twins, so I really want to pick your brain on, A, how the minor leagues are going this year, and I do, as I promised listeners, I want to get to some Twins highly touted uh, draft choices, but we'll get to that in a second. First, I want to talk about some of the rule changes. You know, at different levels of the minor leagues, Major League Baseball is sort of uh, testing and measuring some things. Tell me, at this level of low A, what is the uh, what's the change for 2021, and how are you liking it? Yeah, we've got a couple changes at our level. The biggest one by far is the automatic ball strike system. So we have robo umpires, which don't exist anywhere else in pro baseball, at least affiliated pro baseball. Um, so because we're at the spring training parks, they're able to get that that infrastructure into the ballparks to test out the equipment. And um, it's definitely come along. Uh, I'm surprised how indifferent a lot of the players are to it. They don't have many strong opinions. Um, early on, there were definitely some missed calls from those robo-umps. Uh, first series of the year when we were on the road in Bradenton, it seemed like the width of the plate was a little too wide. Hmm. Then we come back home and it seems like the strike zone was a little too low. Um, but as the series have gone along, it's gotten better and better to the point where it's probably at the point now where it's a little bit more consistent than you would have with a human umpire. Uh, it's a narrow strike zone. Um, there's definitely, like I said, been some questionable calls, but overall they're working out the kinks. Um, and as you know, it gets better and better and they maybe expand it to other leagues too, it's only going to get better. <laughs> 
And then we also have the rule about uh, pickoffs. We're only allowed to throw two pickoffs, and on the third pickoff, if you don't get the guy out, it's a balk. Um, so because of that, to, in order to keep the the element of surprise there, guys sure. are really only throwing over one time because okay. once you throw over the second time, you're done. Yeah. Uh, so we're really not seeing many pickoff attempts at all. And early in the season, guys were running like crazy. There were a lot of stolen bases early on. They've kind of reeled that in a little bit um, as the, the catchers have gotten more wise to what's going on. But uh, yeah, those, those changes have definitely affected the games because we've seen – um, some calls that may not have been made or some decisions that may not have been made without those new changes. Well, the the pickoff one is fascinating because you can tell what they're trying to do. They're trying to get speed and athleticism back into the game. But I, I really want to dig in quickly on this uh, automatic ball strike call because there's a lot of talk about that might be just a – well, there's a debate about it. Should there be automatic ball strike? But some people talk about it like it's an inevitability in the big leagues that that will be there. Uh, tell me, John, you don't get to your position without uh, loving the game of baseball. I mean, you got to grind. You work really hard for what you do. So as a baseball fan, what do you think about seeing uh, the computer call the strike zone? Well, I can live with it, and I'm kind of in the middle on a lot of these issues, but but I, I'm warming up to it mostly because there's still a human being behind the catcher p- putting his arm out and calling the balls and strikes. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know that there's an ABS system in place, as a fan in the stadium, you would never know that the game is being called by robo-umpires because it's an earpiece in the ear of the actual umpire, mm-hmm. and the actual umpire is still making timeout calls, still calling box plays at the plate, helping out the base umpire on calls at you know first second and third base as well um so the the home plate umpire is still fairly active he's just not doing the main job of calling balls and strikes so because it still has the aesthetics of a normal baseball game i'm cool with it especially if they can continue to fine-tune the technology that's fascinating and you said the players are kind of indifferent i'm curious because if i'm a pitcher i might want this i think hey i'm gonna get more strikes if i'm a hitter gosh i might not like it i'm i'm surprised to hear you say that players are indifferent but was there any early uh brushback or or i should say pushback that hey you know this isn't uh this hasn't been part of the game since we've been coming up I would call it skepticism more than pushback okay. early on. But after a couple of weeks, the hitters were the ones that were more indifferent to it. And I think it was because it probably favored them a little bit. Okay, cool. uh, if there's one thing that, that has been a consistency with the new system, it's a pretty narrow strike zone. So you're not getting that outside black and that inside black on the plate. Uh, as you might with a regular umpire, especially if the catcher is framing the pitch right. Um, so I think the hitters are starting to really like it because it does kind of shrink that strike zone just a little bit for them. Um, so, yeah, I have been surprised by how um, not opinionated the players have been about the, the ABS system, especially as it starts to get better and better. Fascinating. I mean, it's a testing ground, and so that hearing you say that had been on the ground with this uh, for uh, more than a month now, I'm I'm, I'm – Starting to think like, yeah, this is baseball uh, taking the temperature and seeing if they can get it into the major leagues. That's that's fascinating insight, John. Uh, John Vittis, our guest, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Fort Myers Mighty Muscle, kind enough to join us for a few minutes on Twins Today here running up to the 11 o'clock hour. A um, couple of first-round draft choices playing for the Mighty Muscles. And, uh, by the way, I should have mentioned for listeners, this is the club formerly known as the Fort Myers Miracle. There was a name change and then a pandemic, and now here we are, Fort Myers Mighty Muscles, playing at Hammond Stadium at the Twins' beautiful spring training complex. A couple of guys who uh, are taking over there. I want to start with uh, Keani Cavaco, the shortstop. How's it going for him in the early goings of his professional career, John? 
he's made some major improvements throughout the pandemic year. Um, talking to our coaches, I know he came down to the spring training complex around the holidays in 2020 and put in two full months of work down there to work on his swing. Um, and I know a lot of folks are very pleased with how far he has come offensively because he struggled in his pro debut out of high school. Um, but he right away from our first series, the speed of the game was was not affecting him at all. He looked like he was locked in on high-velocity fastballs. He's got explosive movements, which, of course, which was why he was taken in the first round. Um, so he's got the look of a first-rounder. He's actually on the injured list right now because he had a, a concussion on a, a throw, just a freak base running play while he was trying to score. He got hit with a throw in the head. But, hmm. um, you know, it shouldn't be too long before he returns to our lineup. Um, but when he's been in there, he's been really impressive. He's been going to all fields, and he definitely has that explosiveness in all phases of the game that you want from a first-rounder. Well, that's exciting to hear i mean you're right that is kind of what you expect when you hear a guy taken in the first round and it's funny we joke about if you're taken in the first round doesn't matter high school college you are very likely either a catcher pitcher or shortstop and it uh, doesn't always necessarily mean that that's going to be the position you play in the big leagues but you're probably the best player on your team at every stop of the way how is his defense as a shortstop fairly young shortstop but i'm curious in your early assessment yeah, for his age, his defense is excellent. Uh, I don't see any reason why he can't stick at shortstop for the time being. Um, he's he's well built. He's he's a taller guy. He's over six foot tall, um, but he's got all the movements. He's got a big time arm. Um, so right now he's able to make. He's made a few errors, but he's able to make all of those difficult plays at shortstop as well. He's thrown a couple guys out from the outfield grass and shallow left. So he's got the arm for the position. I would say he has the range and the hands for the position too. But um, you know, as time goes on, he might gain a little more weight, a little more power, and maybe they want to slide him over. But for now, he can definitely handle shortstop. That's great. Another first round pick, Aaron Sabato is playing there. What do you know? about him he kind of breaks my rule about you have to be an up the middle position he's a slugging first baseman yeah and he was a little later in the first round too uh, he got off to a really slow start with us I know they kind of wanted to start him in high A with Cedar Rapids they decided to keep him down with us um, just based on you know how he performed in spring training and he started slow with us uh, but he's really picked it up now so he's starting to get comfortable at this at this level he was swinging through a lot of fastballs early on which is not a good sign uh, but here in the month of june his on base percentage is over 400 so if you look at the raw numbers overall they're not going to wow you but the power starting to come he's got three home runs now and he's always been able to control the strike zone he's a very patient hitter by nature and that's why he's able to to get on base a lot and hit for some power uh, but our hitting coaches have talked about him getting more aggressive and attacking pitches early in the count um, so if he's able to do that and impact those pitches, uh, the power could really start to come. That's great. Last question for you, John. Then uh, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. We've got about 60 seconds here. I wanted to ask you about Louis Varland, uh, 15th round choice, so not exactly as highly touted, but important uh, to our listeners. He's out of Concordia St. Paul. What can you tell us about Louis? Yeah, for you Minnesota folks, you can be really excited and proud of Louis Varland, not even a Division One guy. Um, he's probably been our most impressive pitching prospect so far. He's 93 to 96, really sharp slider. And that's really all he has. He's mostly a two-pitch guy. He can sprinkle in some other stuff. Um, but that fastball's in the mid-90s. The slider's a swing and miss pitch. So uh, he's able to get a lot of strikeouts here early in the season. I think it's probably only a matter of time before he moves up. We had no top 30 prospects on our pitching staff. And I think he's emerged so far as probably the most impressive pitching prospect in that group. And then one other under-the-radar name on the offensive side, 
Jefferson Morales has been really impressive early on. Um, He's a catcher by nature, but is now our starting right fielder. He's got tons of athleticism. Um, So Varlin and Morales would kind of be the names off the radar to keep an eye on. I love it. I love following the off the radar names. Guys who weren't taken in the first round or didn't have a huge signing bonus and they're just grinding their way in pro ball. Uh, Speaking of grinding their way, John, the play-by-play voice of the Fort Myers Mighty Muscle. He is John Vittis. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining us on Twins Today. My pleasure, Derek. Thanks for having me. Yep, well, pleasure was all mine. We'll talk to you down the line. Uh, follow him on Twitter, folks, if you want the Fort Myers updates. At John Vittis 3 is where you can find that. Uh, great talking with him about some of the rule changes, including automatic ball strike that's happening in uh, the low minors. Of course, they were going to test it in the low minors because if there was any uh, brushback or complications, yeah, they probably don't want that affecting the guys who are, are knocking on the door at the show. But fascinating to hear from John. I got to say, I wasn't expecting that. I thought he was going to say, yeah, you know, it's kind of a sore subject and some people are really not sure how they're feeling about it. But he said, yeah, a lot of the players are indifferent and especially the hitters feel like it might be uh, to their advantage a little bit. They're not getting uh, strikes off the plate, pulled back in and called by the human umpire. Fascinating, fascinating insight from John. That wraps up a fascinating first hour of this show, but don't go anywhere. There is plenty more where that came from on Twins Today. Uh, Coming up after the break, we're going to talk with Twins legend and baseball Hall of Famer Rod Carew. Seven batting titles there. Later on in the show, we're getting three more batting titles sneaking in. We're going to talk to Joe Maurer about his upcoming home run hitting competition to raise funds for Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare. Uh, great, great to catch up with those two guys. And then Dan Hayes sandwich in there talking about the Minnesota Twins and St. Paul Saints rehabbing this week. A loaded second hour of Twins today to start off your Twins programming here. This is Twins Today from Target Field. I'm Derek Wetmore. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. Once again, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and we'll get right into it. I'm very privileged to be joined today by a special guest, man who has 3,000 hits in Major League Baseball. He is none other than Rod Carew. Rod, thanks for taking the time for us today. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's a pleasure to oh, be here. No, the pleasure is all mine. And we we are fortunate enough to have you here in the Twin Cities. We're sitting up at Target Field. I understand you're in town for Swing for the Kids among some of your uh, philanthropic efforts. How did that go this year? Yeah, it's um, we're here it was hot. Yes. You know, was. and after leaving California, you know, it was nice and cool and coming into Twin Cities and drinking water like crazy. <laughs> yeah. But it was a great event. Uh, a lot of people participated and the guys were seeing how tough it is to hit. You know, everybody thinks that you're standing up there and a guy is throwing 100 miles an hour and it's easy. No, because that baseball moves all over the place. But it was fun, you know, fun and trying to give them a little tips on, you know, what to do. And so we had a great day. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And you now are, are actively involved with a lot of charities. And, Rod, we'll get to that in a moment. But first, for Twins fans who are listening to this show, uh, you yourself had a, a bit of a health scare a few years ago. How are you doing now? 
Well, I'm doing better. You know, I, I had a heart transplant and kidney transplant, and um, it's doing better. You know, I've been doing PT three times a week, do about three hours just to get my body back into some kind of shape. But, um, you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for all the people that sent me letters and called uh, just to see how I was doing. And um, a lot of people from the Twin Cities, you know, because this was my home when I played, you know, with the Twins. And we heard from people all over the area, you know, uh, Brainerd, uh, Mankato, all, all over the place. So, you know, it's always good for me to come back because this is still my home. I still consider it, you know, my home. And you've always got friends here. There's no doubt about that, yeah. Rod. Uh, you're also involved with uh, Heart of 29 and does work with the American Heart Association and LLS, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Uh, what motivates you to uh, be so involved with these charitable organizations, Rod? Well, you know, I lost my youngest daughter when she was 18 to uh, leukemia. And she always told me, Dad, I need your help. Because, you know, I wasn't very friendly as far as the press went. And she says, I'd like you to break away from that where I don't want to talk to the press. And I want you to put your name on, on this so that we can help kids. You know, there have been so many kids that have gone through needing a marrow to to survive and they have all had dreams just like she had dreams and so i promised her you know that um as long as i'm on this earth i'm gonna do my best to try and help those kids that are going through this these different blood diseases to um realize their dreams you know and because all of us has a dream and um, my dream was to you know growing up in panama at age six and listening to the games on Armed Forces Radio was to play in front of 40,000 people, you know. <laughs> so um, I'm glad that I was able to do that. Uh, I'm glad that I'm helping to save other kids' lives. And thanks to my daughter, um, it's going to be a continuous effort on my behalf. behalf. It's tremendous work that you do. So many are so grateful for that, Rod. Uh, kind of transitioning off of that, too, you are recently on Twitter. I, I saw your account <laughs> pop up, and it's uh, very fun to see your name there. How did that idea get started that you're now uh, Rod Grew in the flesh is on Twitter? My son. Okay. My son took me out of the dark ages, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I asked him to be my agent and he says well we're going to do ch things that you know to get you out there and meet people and still be a, a big part of baseball and i think he's done a great job so um uh kudos to him you know it's really fun uh, to follow you on there for anyone who's not following rod and listening to this interview it's at rod Carew underscore 29 and uh I'm sure you're already following him if you're on there and listening to this interview. But for Twins fans who aren't, that's where you can find him. And uh, I got to tell you, I laughed pretty hard at a tweet that you had recently. I don't know if you'll remember it, Rod, so I'll put you on the spot here a little bit. Okay. You had asked followers, fans, 
hey, ask me any questions. I, I've got some time here to, to take some questions. Somebody said, Rod, would you still hit 400 in today's game? Do you remember what you said to him? Yeah, well, I'm 75 now, so that I'll probably hit about 280, <laughs> you yes. know. But, yeah, it was a great question, and um, we just had some fun with it. Yeah, of course. Well, let me ask you, because today's game is a little bit different in the way that guys are – we either looking for contact or power, and they really don't mind striking out nearly as much as guys did in your day. Uh, do you think a Rod Carew-type hitter could be successful in, in this day and age with, with the way they play the game now, Rod? Oh, definitely, you know, especially with the shift that they put on a lot, on a lot of hitters. Um, I am sick to see hitters just taking a call third strike, walking back to the dugout, which is the – Longest walk. Oh, yeah. And they consistently are doing that. You know, if you're going to be a home run hitter, be a home run hitter. If you're not going to be a home run or doesn't have the talent to hit home runs, you know, use the whole field to hit. Uh, you have to learn to discipline yourself to understand what you can do and, you know, and stay within that discipline. When I first signed with the Twins, I was more of a power hitter, but I ran well. And they had asked me to you know, get on base, set up a steal, score runs for Killebrew and Oliva and Allison and those guys. Yeah. So I had to discipline myself to use the left field foul line to the right field foul line. And that way I knew I was going to maintain my consistency every year when I played. We had the privilege of having a, a good friend of yours on the show a couple of weeks ago. The great Tony Oliva sat in that chair and, and joined us on Twins Today. <laughs> He had some fun stories, and one of the things that I asked Tony O, you know, we're talking about this same thing, the shift. Third baseman standing behind second base, and you've got the whole left side of the infield. I wouldn't want to pitch to Tony O in, the, in well, that moment, you know? No, but, y you know, that's what you learn about yourself, what you can do. Sure. I learned from Tony because we were roommates for 12 years, and so we we talked about hitting, hitting a lot. And... Um, he really helped me out as a young player growing up and being a part of the Twins organization. But there's so many young kids today that are trying to hit home runs that can't hit home runs. Mm. They might hit two or three, sure. but they're taking that long walk back from home plate, <laughs> back to the dugout, dragging that bat oh, yeah. because they're taking too many strikes down the middle. They're guessing. you know. And if, if you could guess what a pitcher is going to throw you, you know, you'd be okay. You, you will have some success. But to me, learning to pick the ball up and track the ball, see what the ball is doing, and then we have that instant that we have to react to mm -hmm. it. Uh, that's what I did throughout my career. Yeah, so absolutely. I was lucky. Can know? I ask you, <laughs> lucky, lucky and, and good and a lot of hard work too. Oh, thank you. Can I ask you that uh, the story I asked Tony about was when he, do you remember the first moment you met Rod Carew? And he kind of smiled because you guys are still big friends right. to this day. Yeah. And he said, yeah, when I met Rodney, he was just a little baby. <laughs> and that's, he took you up. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the moment you first met the great Tony O? Yeah, I was um, still I was getting ready to graduate from high school, and the Twins were in town. And I used to play outside of Yankee Stadium. They had some fields there that I used to uh, play in. And I always used to say to myself, one day I'm going to play in this stadium in a real game. Well, the Twins came in, and they invited me to uh, work out with, with the club. Mm. And, you know, I was hitting balls in the seats and 
you know, driving the ball real well. And then Sam Mealy told the, the hitting guy to get me out of the cage. They didn't want the Yankees to see me. <laughs> so, but before that, when I walked in the clubhouse, I was a skinny kid. I was about 130 pounds. Sure. And they didn't have a uniform to fit me. So they gave me Tony's shirt because Tony was, you know, he wasn't a big guy back then either. And so when I went out onto the field, people were yelling, Tony Oliva, Mr. Oliva. And I'm saying, I'm not Tony. <laughs> he's, he's in the dugout, you know. That's great. So since that day, Tony and I became great friends. And when I came to the big leagues, he asked me if I wanted to room with him. And I was like, oh, are you kidding? You know, here's, here's one of the great players at that time. And so we started to the year being roommates, and we roomed for about 12 years. We know everything about each other. And, you know, Tony, I speak Spanish, and so does he. But I used to get a kick out of him laying in bed, and he had his uh, machine with his English lessons, yeah. and he'd, he would be reading, you know, while I was getting ready to go to sleep. And I've been through so many nights also with him uh, with his knee. Yeah. You know, he had yeah. so many knee injuries, and he would lay in bed, and he'd moan, and mm. I'd go get ice for him to put on him. And But he went out there every day and played and never complained. Unbelievable, that yes. guy. And, and he's still the same person today. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he hasn't met someone he doesn't like. <laughs> you know, it, it's crazy. Yeah, that's uh, that's true to my experience, too. Let me ask you one final question, Rod, and thank you so much for uh, being so generous with your time for us here today on Twins Today. Uh, Tony Oliva is not a Major League Hall of Famer as we sit here in this chair. There are some people who feel that he should be in Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame care to make a pitch for people for your good buddy to uh, join you in Cooperstown oh yes well you know the Hall of Fame already knows that I'm supposed to be on the committee uh, that Tony is on to to get in and uh, we missed him by one vote the last time yeah four years and, ago I believe yeah yeah and so this time I hope that um, we can get him in you know he played what 13 14 years but during that time he had great years, you know, when he played. Uh, I honestly can say there are a couple of guys in the Hall of Fame that should be there. This guy should be there. And so we're going to push for it. I'm going to talk to the Hall of Fame again to make sure that I'm on that list to try and push for Tony to get, uh, to get in. Absolutely one of the best hitters of his generation, and we always wonder what would have happened if not for the, the pain yeah. in his knee. Yep. He would have won more batting titles behind me. Yeah. You know, I, I always I always told him that. I says, Rumi, I'm going to surpass you in those yeah. batting titles. You know? you say, I'll keep my seven. You can have six, though. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Uh, Rod, if, again, for Twins fans who, who aren't following him on Twitter, it's RodKaru underscore 29. And be sure to check out Pediatric Cancer Research, LLS, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and the American Heart Association. Is there anywhere people can go, Rod, to, to learn more about either how they can get involved in those places or donate to anything that could help? I think they, they can go on the Internet and get some uh, information. Um, there's a place here in the Twin Cities 
um, not too far from the ballpark that has a lot to do with um, the work that I'm doing. Okay. Uh, and if they could hook up with those people, I think it would be great for them to um, be, a, be a part, save a life, and help a, a young child realize the dream that, that, that they have. That's very well said, and, and people can follow you on the website as well, rodcaroo.com, and uh, there's there's always information on what you're up to and what's going on there. So, Rod, sincerely cannot thank you enough. We really appreciate you being generous with your time today. Well, my pleasure, and I, I don't know if we talked about the book. No, please. The book uh, came out in January. We're now in the paperback stages, and Reggie Jackson named the book one tough out okay you know and um it tells a little bit about my past talks about a little bit about the baseball side of it and also about my youngest daughter who died from leukemia um and also my heart operation uh transplant that i just went through so uh it's it's a good book for a family to give to their kids and say hey read this you might learn something from it absolutely go find that one tough out in paperback now rod thanks again for your time on twins today my my pleasure thank you so much that's the voice of twins legend rod carew baseball hall of famer more baseball coming up after this on twins today driven by the mauer auto group more than cars i'm your host Derek wetmore you're listening to news talk 830 wcco welcome back to twins today Twins fans, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, sitting out at Sunny Target Field. It's getting a little more active as we move along with the show. Getting set for Twins Astros first pitch. Before that, you'll hear Inside Twins with pitching coach Wes Johnson and Corey Provis. Then the Adina Realty pregame lineup card all leading up to first pitch. But i got a couple more segments for you on Twins today. And... We've got a, a, a fun slate of guests here this hour. Dan Hayes joins me now from The Athletic. We started the hour with Rod Carew. Such a treat to hear from him. We're going to close the show with Joe Maurer to hear about the home run hitting competition. And the best guest of all joins me right now in uh, the Target Field studio. Dan, thank you for joining Twins today. It's Hall of Famer hour, apparently. It, it really is. You know, so. there's there's Joe Maurer, there's Rod Carew, and there's you. Twins legends, all of them. <laughs> But sincerely, thank you for joining me, Dan. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> tough, tough billing to live up to, but you're the guy with the info. A couple of things I want to talk to you about, including some rehabbing twins. I saw you went over to St. Paul this week. Um, so we'll get to all that. I want to ask you about Byron Buxton, Kenta Maeda, Luisa Rise, Max Kepler, and I probably missed somebody that I want to start with uh, topic A because you and I haven't had a chance to talk about this yet, Dan. Sticky substances in Major League Baseball. Josh Donaldson was very vocal about it. Garrett Cole came to town. He was uh, not so vocal about it, kind of stammered his <laughs> way through an answer on that, and then pitched great against the Twins. Um, I saw a piece from Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic this morning. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Where Where do you think this is all going to come down as we talk about foreign substances in Major League Baseball? Well, we're going to see a lot of pitchers drop off in their RPMs, in their spin. I, we already saw it. I think uh, there was a report earlier in the week that 63% of all pitchers spin rates had gone down in the 10 days or so since word has leaked out about the sticky substances being cracked down on. So, shocker. I mean, it's oh funny. Like, gosh. I've heard a couple things, and I do believe that there is part of this is, look, we saw the Orioles recently and a lot of them, and their, their pitchers are significantly better 
And some of those names and their strikeout totals jump off the chart at you because you've never heard of them, and they were probably in AAA. One thing that you have to account for with that, however, is a lot of front offices have brand new people on them, and there's a lot more information these days. You look at the White Sox, they switched pitching coaches after 30 years this year. Don Cooper's gone, Ethan Katz is in, and all of a sudden he has fresh ideas. And Carlos Rodon, who has all the talent, is throwing the ball better. Michael Kopech, same thing. Uh, Lucas Giolito basically came with, that was his high school coach. Yeah. Inventive guy, teaching his guys to throw a little bit better, uh, throw differently, using different information. So there, there are natural progressions for teams like the Royals, for teams like the Tigers, for teams like the Orioles, the White Sox, who have changed things. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of trying to figure out where it is in between because there's definitely a lot of use of the sticky substances. Uh, Garrett Cole is a very big benefactor. I could see why Josh Donaldson mentioned him, but he did only casually mention him on the Friday. Yeah, that's right. It wasn't like he went and pointed it out. He was like, this was the first guy that threw and went down. And, and he was talking about guys that significantly had gone down. It was like 125 RPMs of spin had been reduced. That's a lot. It, it's a huge deal. And um, but hey, by the way, Garrett Cole still pretty good. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, yeah, he was. So he was uh, highly touted with Pittsburgh. Of course, he had the talent. He goes to Houston. He blows up. He gets a big contract in New York. I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see where this all plays out. But Dan, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe this is just my uh, uh, anxious personality, but. Now, this has been bubbling beneath the surface for a couple of years now, yeah. and now it's like, hey, this is all out in the open. Let's start talking about it. I get the sense that it's kind of a nervy moment for a number of big league players uh, just because you couldn't call somebody out, but you know, how do you know your guy doesn't have something on his belt that he goes to for a big slider? Rocco mentioned that. You just don't know on who is doing it. Okay. You, and, and, and he's advising. He said he doesn't want anybody on his team doing it. Um, he's come out with a strong stance and on we that. We should be clear, too. I'll let you finish your point, but we should be clear that there's a difference between using uh, rosin and sweat and maybe even a little sunscreen just yeah. that you can feel your fingers are a little bit tacky versus going to this stuff that I've heard compared to super glue that really just you can just rip the ball and right. get the best grip on it imaginable. Absolutely. And and there is a need for rosin or sun, sunscreen because command and, and the ball is slick and, and you don't want guys getting hit. But that was Josh Donaldson's point of all of this is, look, this isn't about command because hit-by-pitches are up at an all-time yeah. high right now. Walks are on pace for an all-time high. <laughs> so if these guys are gripping the ball for, for command purposes and they're hitting guys like that rate, uh, yeah, right. It, yeah. It's about making the best pitch. And sliders have been just uh, absurdly good the last couple of years. Sure. We've seen an increase in them because guys have – no fear that the ball is going to slip out of their hand. Ryan Presley is a, a guy who, you know, you, you always used to see. It. He'd blow guys away with his 95-mile-per-hour fastball, get ahead 0-2, and then sometimes he'd hang a slider because he didn't have enough grip on it, and, and it gets hit out, and it's a mistake. Well, all of a sudden, you see guys throwing that slider with so supreme confidence, and it's, it's definitely related to this. Strikeouts are up, and they're too high. Look, we, we know that baseball is okay with strikeouts. Sure. Uh, it's gotten out of hand even for baseball. Baseball's like, uh, <laughs> hey, 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 this is this is too much. Uh, let's let's uh, let's dial back. Well, uh, it's fascinating. I, I can't wait to see where it goes. It is kind of a nervy moment. Like for me, you know, we're talking about this thing. It feels kind of like a dirty secret. But Dan, this headset on your head, we're talking on uh, live radio. So yes. There, you know, this now this is like a and wide open conversation. And I think guys just don't want it to be branded as cheaters for right. doing what the whole industry is doing. That's right. Because you look at steroids and the stigma 
there's no question. I don't know that this is that, it, but it has become accepted in the same way where guys are just doing it. Blind eye, you mean, from right. the enforcement. And, so. and Trevor Bauer has been talking about it for years and trying to Absolutely. stop it. So, yeah, it, it, it is funny that it's now just coming to a head four years after he brought it up in yeah. the first place. Last one, we got to hit a break here, Dan. But uh, your colleague at The Athletic, friend of the show, James Fegan, uh, friend of Twins today, joined us when the White Sox were in town. The proposal I saw from White Sox closer Liam Hendricks James actually tweeted this out, so I I wanted to get your take on it. He said, yeah, this is a problem, but what we should have is, like, one substance, like right. a controlled substance. You, you got the rosin bag back there. What if you just had, like, I don't know, the little, uh, you know, in the NBA, they have the double-sided tape that they peel yeah. off before the game and you stamp your sneakers on it to yeah. get a grip? What if, what if all pitchers just had the same kind of thing? That sounded to me like a pretty eloquent solution. Like they wheel a little cart out there, and <laughs> the pitcher right, just walks right. over. Well, I have it sponsored. I Carts mean, they got enough play. of that stuff anyway. <laughs> Carts and play. Here uh, you go. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, there, there should be some kind of solution without question because, again, the idea is, in, pra in theory, the idea is to grip the ball better, um, to, to not hit guys, and we don't want that taking off because of this. You know, they're going to mm. – the rosin – and pine tar, you know, it's funny. Pine tar was a big part of this early on. Yeah. Michael Pineda got in trouble 10 years he ago sure for did. the pine tar on the neck. Yeah, he sure um, did. Yeah. High definition television <laughs> got him on that one. <laughs> yeah. And this is so much stickier than that. And it provides so much better of a grip. So maybe that's something that's pine tar based. Anything that, mm. that but there, there does need to be some kind of uniformity on the, on the baseballs because it varies from place to place, right. how they, they feel, like how they're gripped. Summer in humidors, all that stuff, how they're treated pregame and rubbed up. It, there, there is certainly a lot to discuss here. And, and it's weird that baseball has to do it on the fly. Yeah, for, for how much we care about stats and the sanctity of, the, of these records and stuff. And then, yeah, they're just kind of. Mike ah. Schilt just peeled that onion back, man. Yeah, when he, he sure uh, did. Well, Joe West, I guess, probably did it. Joe West started it. Schilt got a little hot under the collar, and then Josh Donaldson took the baton and Josh ran. Donaldson just smacked it out of the park. <laughs> yeah, well, let's go after Garrett Cole. <laughs> like he did uh, against the Yankees then following that up. Uh, that's the voice of Dan Hayes. He covers the Minnesota Twins for The Athletic. You can subscribe there uh, at theathletic.com and follow Dan on Twitter for all the latest Twins news and updates. Speaking of which, Dan, I'm going to ask you to stick around for another segment because the fans want to know. When's Byron Buxton coming back? When's Kentamaeda coming back? All of these updates. Dan was over in St. Paul uh, with an eye on the Saints this week. I'll ask him about that on the other side of this break. You are listening to Twins Today on News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, at Sunny Target Field, and my guest joins me for another segment. Dan Hayes covers the Twins for The Athletic, where you can subscribe and read all the in-depth Twins coverage that you could ever want. Uh, Dan, you went over to St. Paul, CHS Field, this week, uh, a place that I love. I haven't been able to get over there yet this year, but uh, been going for years. I'm rocking my Saints hat as we talk right now. Uh, love to talk to you about a bunch of Saints players, but in the essence of time, let's talk about a bunch of uh, temporary Saints players. Yeah number of guys working their way back from injury. It's part of the story of the season, unfortunately, for the Twins. Uh, how did Byron Buxton look in a Saints uniform? And more importantly, when can Twins fans expect to see him in a Twins uniform again? First of all, if we talked about a bunch of Saints players, we'd be talking about the 2021 Twins right now because they're all here. Sure. Um, yeah, I could, uh, <laughs> we could keep you all day, not just for the insight, but also for the jokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Byron Buxton looked really good the other day. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how he feels about the running. 
Um, yeah. I know he took off and he tripled the other night and, and really tested it out. Um, I, some of the, the highlights from Saturday looked like he was just sort of like getting through it. Uh, okay. I want to see how he feels about the running. And that's something that uh, Rocco Baldelli said that he still has to talk to him about. He played last night. He hasn't been in yet today. He and Luisa Reiser are showing up today. Buxton's bat looks great. The The home run power was immediate. Uh, I got there and um, homer to right, then he homered to center, and then he flew out to center a third time and missed a third home run by two feet. Wow. Consecutive at-bats. And the funny part was, you know, the pitching, we've seen how many guys are here already. So they're down to double A and, and sure. guys are signing off the street kind of thing. Um the starting pitcher that night gave up 14 hits and 11 runs and three and two thirds. So Byron, by five innings, had been in the field for like two hours already. So sure. he got fully got the in. test. Yeah, he did. And and Toby Gardenhire afterwards was like, we wanted to give him seven at first, and then we were like, you know, he's seen plenty after five. He's already run around the bases and done all that. Uh, I I it's gonna be interesting to see how he feels. This is a hip injury. It's something that's new to him. Mm. A lot of his injuries have been upper body, you know, wrists, concussions, stuff like that. Um, the shoulder, this is the first really significant other. He had broke his toe, but that was a foul ball. Yeah. So you yeah. know how much he really cares about the lower body. It's his bread and butter, and it makes him elite. And so I think he's a guy who's really taking a look at this and, and making sure he's thorough. I mean, he doesn't want – this is extremely serious. We, we saw Luis Robert, similar injury. He's out for the season. Yeah. And, and Byron Buxton probably knows, can't push it too much. And and we've seen it. He sped up. He was. It seemed like two weeks ago he was going to play for the Saints. Yep. They dialed yep. it back. Yep. And, and he's being thorough with it. I completely understand that. And people want to know, especially on social media, why he's not been here already and why he's not playing with this team right now. If he's rehabbing in St. Paul, well, the reason why is because he can go in a low-pressure environment and test it out and not have to worry about doing making plays for his team to win right um and and also which he would by the way he, oh of course yeah. he would he you know he plays at 125 <laughs> percent and and it's amazing right. it's amazing to watch and he doesn't like to dial back and so he can do it there in a more mm -hmm. comfortable environment and i want to see if if he's ready because it's a big leap G, uh, gm dan gladden put him on the plane tonight to Seattle. Do you think that's Oh, a he's on the plane. Okay, so yeah, yeah, Buxton's yeah. going to Seattle. How about uh, we'll go rapid fire through this yeah, next yeah, sure. couple, Dan. Uh, Luis Arise, rehabbing the shoulder. He just started, but he told us that he's pretty much ready to go. He's, yeah. he's very close. Are we seeing Arise on that plane, too? Uh, he is, too. Yeah, I super excited because he couldn't hit and he couldn't throw forever, and that, that right. was really concerning to him. And he was he said he was pretty down, but he is uh, – he is back up again, and boy, do you know when Luis Arise is up. He's got one of the best personalities. You can tell he feels good. Bubbly and bouncing around always. Uh, Kenta Maeda, I saw his name written in pen in uh, Monday night starting for the Twins, so he must be ready to get activated here closely. Yeah, and he threw 55 or 54 pitches in his last outing, so where he can go, how deep he can go, we'll see. I don't know that he'll be fully – they might be like, hey, 75, 80 pitches. It's only been a couple weeks. And he's still built up, but I'm sure they're not about to try and rush him out there and throw 100 pitches. Sure, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe kid gloves a first start or two or something yeah. like that. But it'd be good to see the old Kenta back. They need uh, him back. They yeah. need the old Kenta. You aren't kidding about that, Dan Hayes. Uh, last one for you. You sat in on Rocco Baldelli uh, today. What's the latest on Max Kepler and when we could see him in a Twins uniform? Max Kepler starting to rehab t today, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so Kepler, we wow, talked to him great. on the field yesterday and, and – uh, he said he had just run the bases. He was feeling good. That was the last step for him. 
They'd kept him from sprinting for a while because he seems like he's been progressing nicely all along, but they waited and waited. It's a hamstring injury. Yeah, it's but, tough. But he is in a good spot too. So um, St. Paul is getting made up for having all their players stolen from them <laughs> over here. The Nick Gordons, you know, Ref Snyder, they've had like eight-tenths of their team over here. They're getting – this <laughs> yes. is like repaying them. And one, right. We're just – because they're, they're in the nice, uh, middle of a nice long homestand. I'm sure Max Kepler will be out there a few days. Sweet. Wouldn't be surprised if he joins the Twins in Texas. That's great. That's half a big league ball club there joining the Saints and hopefully joining the Twins before too much longer. He's the man with the news and insights. He is Dan Hayes, covers the Twins for The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at Dan Hayes MLB. Dan Sincerely, thank you for joining the show today. Yeah, thank you. And, hey, thanks for putting me in the middle of, uh, you know, you had a good build in there with Rod, and then you followed me yes. up with Joe, so people were going to listen. <laughs> so it's not like they could just bounce after Joe Maurer. <laughs> but you brought the news nuggets. It's called lineup protection, Dan. You had, hey. How does it feel to protect Rod Carew? Oh, well, I mean, it's <laughs> obvious why I'm doing it. It's clear. So <laughs> driving in all the runs. There you go. Follow him on Twitter, Dan Hayes. MLB is where you can find that. we got to hit a break. This one is the Mauer Auto Group break. Of course, Twins Today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group more than cars. And for this one, we welcome in Jeremy from the Mauer Auto Group. They just had a big sale. Jeremy, how was that sale? Yeah, the big sale was, was a huge success. Everything went wonderful except for the heat. Uh, everything's back on the lots and all the inventory is available. You know, we sold a few at the uh, auction to the public. That worked out well also. But uh, there's a lot of fresh trade-ins and a lot of new vehicles. The, the new vehicles are coming in every day. It's, the timing couldn't be better on this whole thing. And we, we have finally got the one website. It's up and running. And I really recommend to everybody that you check it out. But it's the MauerAutoGroup.com. You can check out and see what we've done for the food share for what we've done for supporting veterans. The Operation Warm, highly recommend watch that one. The kids are just great. That's really where you need to go is MauerAutoGroup.com. We've got that website up. It looks spectacular. And then you can see what all we have available, whether it be a two to $3,000 used car that you need for your 16-year-old that's just learning how to drive, or whether it be the $80,000 one-ton high country that you need to get your jobs done every day. Um, we've, we've got you covered. North Metro to the South Metro, from the 2000 to the 80,000. Everything you need, we've got it right there on that website. MauerAutoGroup.com, as Jeremy mentioned, right there at the top. They mentioned their tagline, more than cars. Jeremy, what's coming up for people in June, the rest of the month? The rest of the month is going to be all about the new car inventory. We have transports coming in, you know, multiple transports daily. Um, we're finally getting this, this chip shortage is getting, we're getting over the hump on that. We've got new Colorados coming in. We've got new Silverados coming in. We've got Tahoe's coming in. We've got Suburbans coming in. I mean, it, we, we've got one of the largest selections of everything that everybody wants and it's all coming in. So that's really the best way to check it out. And June is going to be all about rebuilding the inventory so we can take care of you. Nice. That uh, website again is MauerAutoGroup.com. Jeremy always says you can go there to find the inventory or it sounds like you can go take advantage of free air conditioning. Just go on over and see them. 100%. Come on in. We even have nice cold water too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, that is the voice of Jeremy from the Mauer Auto Group. Jeremy, thank you for your support and thanks as always for coming on Twins Today. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great week. You too. 
Welcome back to Insta Day, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and we'll get right into it. Joined by a very special guest, three-time batting champ, six-time all-star. He is none other than Joe Maurer. Joe, how's it going today? Derek, I'm doing well. It's uh, Thanks for having me on. This will, this will be great. Yep, happy to do it. Before we get into it, Joe, how are the kids? Uh, a couple of years since you stepped away from day-to-day with the twins. How's everything going with the family? They, uh, they got me running around, which is great. Yeah, all good stuff. But yeah, we're definitely busy over here at the Mauer household. <laughs> Love it. Glad to hear it. You always get, you hear that you get busier in retirement. So it sounds like that <laughs> might be true for you too, even stepping away from Major League Baseball. Um, Joe, I, I'm honored to have you on the show. It's great to be talking with you. I want to get first out of the way, what you have coming up the Mauer and Friends Kids Classic Tuesday, June 15th. No doubt Twins fans have heard about it by now, but it's benefiting Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare, and you can buy tickets right now. Joe, you got a pretty special guest list for this, I understand. We do. It, it's been a lot, of, uh, a lot of work trying to get to this point. Uh, we're excited. We're less than a week away. Um, you know, obviously, we kind of had to shift gears, um, you know, what's been going on in our world this, these last 18 months or so, and trying to figure out ways to, uh, to spread word about how special a place Gillette Children's is, um, and it's right in our backyard. Um, and I've reached out, and um, actually, this whole idea came about uh, with a conversation with uh, my buddy Justin Morneau. And, um, you know, usually we would have an event inside, sit down, 300 people, have a lunch, talk about Gillette, and and uh, that was that. But uh, through our conversation, uh, a home run derby, a home run challenge has evolved and uh, everything will be outside. Everything will be safe. And, and we're allowed to uh, spread the word to a, a bigger, a greater group of people. Um, we're allowed to open the gates at Target Field and following all the CDC guidelines and, and what they have in place right now. And I hope people come out and see. Like, like you said, we have a great um, lineup, um, Morno, Tomei. Uh, Jason Kubel, Brian Dozier, Trevor Plouffe, uh, Nick Punto's coming back. We've even allowed uh, some of the pitchers to swing it. Uh, Joe Nathan's coming back, Glenn Perkins, uh, Brian Dunsing, and uh, we got a couple non-baseball uh, players as well. Um, Zach Greasy of the Minnesota Wild, um, Chad Greenway, uh, retired Viking, and uh, Mark Parrish, a retired Wild player. So Really excited about our group and um, just uh, amazed, humbled on the response I've been getting from not only the, the special guests who will be participating, but our sponsors and, uh, you know, just Twins fans in general. So, yeah, we're really excited. I can't wait uh, for Tuesday to, to get here. It's fantastic to hear the origin story because, of course, Justin Morneau came up with it. He probably just wanted to win another one. <clears throat> I know. And that's the thing. You, you look at this lineup, you got. Like you said, Morneau, who's won a home run derby. You got a guy who's hit over 600 home runs. And I don't know uh, of two other guys other than Dozier and Plouffe have hit more home runs at Target Field. So I don't know what I'm getting myself into uh, <laughs> against these guys, but I can tell you my mentality at the plate will be a little different than, than when I played. Uh, yeah. So be fun. You might go for it uh, a little bit more, let her rip. So people can find twinsbaseball.com slash Mauer Classic is where they can find all the details. Tickets range from $25 to $75. And as I mentioned, they are uh, they're on sale now. And then they're on sale day of too. If you just want to walk up, it's a beautiful day, Tuesday, June 15th. I believe I saw the ticket windows open from nine until two. So you can find all of that information online. Joe, that's going to be uh, a ton of fun to watch. You mentioned you would take a little bit different approach. So I'm going to, I'm going to dig in on that one real quick, Joe. 
Uh, your approach at the plate, famous around Minnesota, of course, and uh, obviously worked out quite well. The Twins' all-time leader at hitting on base. I was talking with Rod Grew, and he mentioned the shift changes changed the game just so much. He keeps up with the game and watch it. You can't really shift a guy like Rod Carew, but I guess I've never asked you this, Joe. What was it like for you as a player when when all of a sudden that double on the left field line started to be an out? That had to have been pretty frustrating as a as a hitter that had used that approach to success for years and years. Yeah, you know, the game uh, it's definitely evolved. And even in the 15 years that I had in the big leagues, just from my rookie year to when I retired, um, we saw those uh, shifts become more prevalent and, and, you know, they're doing it because it works. Um, you know, it's always hitting has always been the, probably in my opinion, the most difficult thing to do in sports. And uh, it's not getting any easier for the hitters, um, you know, even in today's game, but you know, it's uh, yeah, the shift, uh, there's a reason why they do it. And uh, your teams have had success and, and, you know, that's the thing too. It's some teams uh, do it better than others. Um, you know, they'll put guys in different positions, but also have the, the pitch plan to, to go along with it. So, um, you know, a couple of teams when I was playing, I know Kansas city did it really well. And it yeah. seemed like they had a, you know, 12 or 13 guys out there in the field, but you know, that, that's the thing. Everybody's doing it different. And, um, you know, the game's evolving. We, we always call it a game of adjustments and, and you got to try to, uh, to adjust it, to compete. Seemed like they had 12 or 13 guys and three of them were Alex Gordon out there. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, like, uh, yeah, he definitely covered some ground out there, especially when I was hitting. <laughs> no kidding. All right, Joe, uh, there's some talk. I don't know where it will go at the, at the executive level in major leagues, but about limiting shift and bringing balls in play back into the game, just quickly, your thoughts on that. Would you be in favor of limiting some of those de- defensive strategies? Um, yeah, you know, I, I would, I think, uh, you know, MLB is just constantly looking at how to enhance the game. Um, I think we've gotten to a point where there's not a whole lot of balls in play. And uh, I think that's what we need more of um, at this point. So however we can go about doing that and making the game uh, more entertaining for its fans. And, um, you know, I think that's what they're trying to do. And, and you know, I know that they've uh, implemented some rules uh, over the past couple of years to, to try to do that. And some of them have worked and some of them I don't think it worked so well. So yeah. I think they're constantly looking at that. Um, you know, I was just actually talking with a couple of the, you know, guys that are in this, this derby of mine, and, and we were talking about the extra inning rule. And, and that's one in particular that I'm, I'm not a big fan of. I think it gives a, a huge advantage to the home team. And, you know, to, to win a big league ball game, uh, you just have to sacrifice bun and hit a, and a sacrifice fly and you could win a game. So that's just uh, one example of one I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of, but I, I think they have done some things over the years to, to help enhance the game. I just hope we get back to getting the ball in play and, and making, you know, pressure on the defense and, uh, you know, watching guys run the bases. I think that's the most exciting part of it. Yep. I'm there with you. I think that uh, home runs are great. I also personally love strikeouts, but then if you sit there through a three hour game and like nothing ever happened, basically nobody ever put the ball in play. I think we're going to lose a lot of, of casual baseball fans. And that's absolutely not what I want for the future of baseball. Um, Joe, one more for you and, and uh, we'll let you go. I know you're a busy guy this week and uh, this upcoming week with your home run derby coming up. The hot topic in baseball right now is sticky substances, pitchers using concoctions to, yeah, some guys used to say it's to get grip so they're not going to hit a guy accidentally, but now you're seeing guys use uh, 
I heard it compared to super glue. I don't know if that's actually true, but just really mm. rip a slider or get that four seamer to ride at the top of the zone. What do you think, Joe, about this thing that's sort of been a secret around Major League Baseball for years and years, but now is really starting to come into the spotlight, and that is pitchers using substances to get a grip? Yeah, I think it's been around the game forever. Um, you know, pine tar, you know, rosin and sunscreen, um, obviously, have been kind of the favorites um, in my early days and, and later. But I think, uh, I think with, I've talked to a couple of the current players and they just, I think their concern is that the pitchers are really getting perfecting this and um, introducing different substances where they can really gauge uh you know, with RPMs and spin rates that they can really gain an advantage. And I, I think that's the thing. I know there's rules in place that might be a little, you know, not as sport enforced as some others, but um, I think everybody just wants to get on the same playing field and, um, you know, wants to make it fair across the board. But, you know, for me as a hitter, I, I always uh, would tell our pitchers or, or opposing pitchers, I want them to have a feel of the ball so that uh, it doesn't go behind my ear or head or, yeah. you know, or, or anything like that. But um, when they're using it to, you know, I guess to enhance that uh, performance, uh, it, it makes it even more difficult uh, for the hitters these days. But, um, you know, hopefully they can get a grasp on this and, uh, you know, kind of come out with a plan and, um, you know, move forward. Don't know where this will go, but do you, would you want to see umpires like checking every half inning, go, go check the belt, check the cap? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I guess if they, something a little out of the ordinary uh, yeah absolutely you know you gotta you got rules and you need to enforce them um i mean why have a rule if uh, if you're not going to enforce it so um i hope uh you know it's clear cut so both pitchers and hitters are on the same page and and like i said let's move on to things to to enhance the game and make it more fun and enjoyable for fans to watch very well said joe uh good luck in your home run derby coming up uh how do you like your chances i like them i mean it's it's definitely gonna be a, a tough task or a tall uh, task to yeah. do, but uh, you know, I'm excited. The guys are coming back and, and um, just responsive and getting to help benefit Gillette children's and, and these guys are all for it. And, and obviously this, this is a great lineup of players, but it's a great lineup of human beings. And um, you know, I appreciate them coming back and helping me spread the word about Gillette because like I said, they're uh, just fantastic people and it's a fantastic place. So hopefully we can uh, be entertaining, put some in the seats and, and one thing I do want to mention is that every ball that's hit, you get a chance for an autograph softball. So um, could be signed by Tomei, Dozier, or any of those guys that I, I mentioned. So come on out and uh, see some of the guys, and uh, we'll try to give you guys some souvenirs. Tickets online at twinsbaseball.com slash Mauer Classic, and all ticket proceeds are a direct donation to Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare. Uh, go get your tickets now. Joe, can't thank you enough for the time. appreciate you coming on Twins today. Derek, thanks for having me. Appreciate uh, giving me this opportunity to spread the word. Good luck, Joe. Thanks. Real treat there to talk to Joe Maurer about uh, his upcoming event. Go check that out. Check out the website, twinsbaseball.com slash Classic. That'll do it for Twins Today this week. Such a treat. Talking with Joe Maurer, Rod Carew, Tim Laudner, Dan Hayes, John Vittis. It's, uh, it's just been a really fun show for me. I hope it was for you, too. Inside Twins with Wes Johnson and Corey Provis is next on the Adina Realty pregame lineup card. It's all coming up before Twins and Astros first pitch. Talk to you next week on Twins Today. This is News Talk 830-WCCO. You have been listening to Twins Today. 
driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.